Before we start this whole thing, we just want to let our listeners know that we are going to be discussing what's happened in Bill and Ted Face the Music. So fair warning, if you don't want spoilers, come back and listen to us when you've seen the film. Excellent! This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears, Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are Sandemus Today. How's it going, Kelly? Jason Thomas Mears, Esquire. Uh, <laughs> We're living in a world with a Bill and Ted trilogy. We made it. We made it. We live in a world where we can talk about the first two Bill and Ted films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't know what to say. You know, uh, 2018, we started this thing. And uh, and then it all came together, led up to a most triumphant moment at the drive-in last night. I'm just elated. I am. There's so much to unpack here. You know, where do we begin, dude? Here, here's what. Here's how I want to start. All right, I want to hear your one sentence review of Bill and Ted Face the Music. A beautiful, lovable, but slightly flawed sequel to two of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Yeah, that that's uh, very similar to mine, which is an imperfect movie that is a perfect addition to the Bill and Ted franchise. I love it. I love it. You're just yeah. you're a fucking poet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we both stayed up and watched it Thursday night. Yep, it dropped so right about eleven p.m. our time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had a little bit of issue because what happened is I had pre-ordered for a purchase, and the purchase. Mm-hmm did not drop until midnight. Um, oh. And so what I did is I just rented it right after 11 when I was getting really frustrated. And so, yeah, I rented it and I also own it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, uh, I will cop to the fact that I was also having trouble with my purchase on Apple, um, but I also purchased it on Vudu because I thought there might di- be different supplements. So nice. the Apple one did not, the Apple one did not go through at 11, but, um, the Vudu one did. And so I was able to watch on Vudu and finish it up by like 1230. Yeah. So you and everyone else knows it was Thursday was a long day for me and it was a lot for me to stay up and watch the movie, but I knew I had to do it. And then the frustrating part of trying to figure out the purchase versus the rental. <laughs> I was not in the greatest headspace in my first viewing. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we have not really talked about this movie. We, we've been saving it for the pod. But I, when I texted you on, on Friday morning, I could definitely tell that at that time you, were, you weren't really feeling the love for Face the Music. And I, I was over the moon. I, I had like a perfect, perfect setup. I, I had my my stereo system running through my nice headphones. I had my big screen. It was like in the dark. It was as close to a, a movie theater experience as I could have done for being in a house with two small children. So right. it was like great. Like my wife and I stayed up late. We watched it together. It was delightful. So I, I had a little bit of a sinking feeling in my stomach when you're like, man, I, I just don't know. And I was like, okay, it's cool. You know, we'll talk about it. You know, any criticism that you have would obviously be coming from a place of love, but, uh, sure, sure. Like initially, it, it was a bit underwhelming uh, for me. That, but my viewing experience was, I think, a little marred. Um, I watched it again the next morning, and it came across a lot better. And then last night at the drive-in, 
uh, amongst friends, among, amongst some of our favorite friends and listeners. It was uh, it was just a magical experience. I thought. Like I said, my first one I watched with my wife. The second time I woke up early, watched it again by myself. Really enjoyed it, um, and then. I showed it to my daughter who is seven and she just fell in love with it. And like her love of this film just amplified my enjoyment of it because the stuff that she was getting out of it wasn't what I was getting out of it, but it was so great for her. Like, you know, she looked at me halfway through and she's like, you know, daddy, I'm like Thea cause I'm, bl- I have blonde hair and I've got a best friend. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then at the end when, you know, she realized that it was the daughters who were really going to save the world. It just blew her mind. She was elated. She was like, Oh my God, I can save the world. That's great. That reaction, um, what you're telling me and how Amelia felt about it is something that I think really hit home for me seeing it to drive in last night on how this is a film. This is a father daughter movie. And I think if you're a child watching this, it's what so many great, you know, not that I'm saying this is this film is a children's film, but it's what so many of the best children's films do, where the adults relate to it in one way and the children relate relate to it in another. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I love that she got that out of the daughters. My probably my initial feeling was that a little bit had been spread thin and I wanted a little more nuance from the daughters. But after multiple viewings, I think I maybe got some of that, to be honest with you. I would have loved a little bit extra, maybe another scene, maybe a give and take with the wives subplot or something like that, um, mm-hmm. where where I maybe got a little more of a distinctive character because I really caught what they were going for. Um, I, and I thought it was great that the daughters are just epic fans of music and they've heard and they've seen everything and they know what to reference. And that's what sort of gave them the tools to be able to put everything together at the end. And I I thought that was a great move by the script, but it, it was like I wanted a little bit more, but I also know that Bill and Ted movies can only be an hour and a half long. And <laughs> yes. you can't make them any longer than that, unfortunately. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, and I'll say uh, I wanted more of everybody in this movie. Sure. There wasn't a single character that I was like, okay, get off the screen. I want... I wanted more of everyone. I wanted more of, of Bill and Ted. I wanted more of future Bill and Ted. I wanted more of the princesses. I wanted more of the uh, marriage counselor. I wanted more of the band that they they put together. You and wanted more. You wanted more of Dennis Caleb McCoy because we all did. <laughs> I want all that Dennis Caleb McCoy. Jesus. Anthony Kerrigan oh. was a revelation. Really filling filling what I felt like was the 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 best fish out of water role. Um mm-hmm. Like there was so much potential for him to basically be the Napoleon or the death of the movie. And yeah, it's like, Oh, could I've gotten one more scene of him? Yes. <laughs> but everything he did was perfect. I yeah. mean, it was, the, the entire script and the way that they wrote the characters, it's really, really incredible what they did as far as like giving just, they didn't waste anything. Like mm-hmm. th- this was an exercise in economy, you know, like, yeah. Every line counted. Every word mattered. It, it just—I'm really impressed. The more I think about it. Now, what did you? How did you feel about the? Um, okay, so you have Kristen Shaw, who is Kelly, daughter of Rufus, and then it's revealed Holland Taylor, the great leader, is Rufus's 
what widow or ex-wife yeah, widow. you widow, don't really yeah. know right 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 um, <laughs> i felt uh, divorce vibes that's all i'm saying <laughs> that's that's fair um it was interesting like the rufus thing it was like oh man that's cool they, they had the rufus hologram which we knew they were going to have the hologram and mm-hmm. that uh, there's going to be a little bit of dialogue that was new that somebody else had recorded but i thought it was kind of a little bit of a narrative shortcut when um Kelly comes out of the new booth and they're like, Oh, you must be Rufus's daughter. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what? You know, as, as far <laughs> as we know, we've seen every single scene that, you know, there weren't further interactions between Rufus and Bill and Ted, as far as we know. Sure. Um, now he know, they know that Ru- uh, Rufus had kids, but maybe they were just supposed to pick up from that because she was from the future and she definitely had his mannerisms. Like Kristen Schaal did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and hopefully Evan Dorkin will be the one to answer that question for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, oh God, by the way, it was just great during the, uh, online watch party, which Friday night, there was an online watch party where Alex Winter and Ed Solomon were answering fan questions and somebody was like, what happened to station? And I just like chimed in, oh, this will probably be answered in Evan Dorkin's upcoming comics. And then Evan Dorkin, without missing a beat, like responded to that and was like, and the robots. And so it's just, yes, it's great. I just can't wait. I love this community. I love this community. I love the Bill and Ted community. (laughs) With Kelly and them saying, oh, you must be Rufus's daughter. I was like, ah, that. That's kind of a little bit cheating, but then I remembered in the first film, Rufus never even told them his name. Yeah, right. So, right. That's one it, one of the highlights of Excellent Adventure. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I was like, it's cool. It's cool. That's fine. Uh, Hall and Taylor did great. Um, totally believable. She's just such a great authority figure. So the the other big part of the narrative here, right, is the uh, future Bill and Ted's, and. I think going in, you know, I was thinking different iterations, but really what we got were the same Bill and Ted's at different points in the yeah, future. Yeah, we totally, we totally got that wrong. Like, I, I, I definitely got that wrong. I, th- I thought it was going to be alternate versions for sure. Um, but man, so much fun, so much fun. So the the first the first iteration we get is just a couple years in the future, and they're playing their like big hit song that they reference at the beginning of the movie. Um, that they thought would originally be the one to save the world. Though funny that they, I, I thought they would reference like God gave rock and roll to you, but it was this other song. What was, do you right. remember the title? Uh, uh, Those Who Rock. Those Who Rock, that's right. You have uh, uh, Keanu uh, with a full on like like washed up 80s rocker Ted with the huge uh, scarf right around the head. Right. Uh, right. I love that so much and he's such an asshole. Yeah, dude, <laughs> One of the most compelling relationships in this movie is Ted with Ted, like his relationship yeah. with himself. Well, let's talk about that because there was a, a definite difference between Bill and Ted uh, in this film. I thought, you know, was. T- Ted was the darker one. He was the one giving up. He wrestled with himself uh, the most. It was something that I think when in my first viewing, I don't know that it settled with me great, and maybe I was even questioning Keanu's performance. Mm-hmm. But after multiple viewings, I think I've changed my whole point of view at, at what he was going for. Yeah, um, it's yeah. just that to have there be that much of a personality difference between the two in a way, maybe it, it just surprising. shocked. Yeah, it was surprising. That's what it was. It surprised me a little bit. So yeah, uh, man, that 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 scene where he's talking to himself. Like it when he's 95 years old. Oh, 
I mean, that's one of the best scenes of the film, I think, easily. For sure. And it's it's also incredibly silly, right? Like, it's just really, <laughs> really silly. <laughs> but it's so good. Oh, man. I'm just so happy right now. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about one little detail that I loved. And they, they didn't even expressly show this or, or state it, but Bill and Ted live next door to each other. Yeah. Which, of course they do. You right. Know? In like, like those perfect suburban houses. Yeah. And honestly, and like, honestly, when he when they're they're talking about it like I don't think the princesses wanted this, I'm looking at it going like, that looks like a pretty nice house. Right. I'm into you it. Know, like, <laughs> sorry, sorry guys. Uh you know I mean they are princesses, right? So maybe sure, sure. suburbia isn't the thing. Um Dave Grohl lives in San Dimas, I guess. Yeah, like I I love that. <laughs> I love that in the next few years Dave Grohl's gonna get a mansion in San Dimas. So good call, Dave. <laughs> I, I, I definitely want to talk about the opening scene, which I thought was the, the Missy and Deacon wedding was so good in every way. I love that opening scene. The I mean, the second the second Bill is saying we have known Missy in many capacities. I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Right. Right. And then they and then they get into uh, uh, Deacon making his dad his own son. I mean, that's some Shell Silverstein goodness right there. It is. It is. <laughs> oh man, and uh, I I love the song. <laughs> yeah, right. It was really good. I know, like people, I, I've read people saying, "Why is this supposed to be bad?" And I think I don't think it's supposed to be bad. I think it's just supposed to be weird, and obviously not the thing that's going to bring everybody together. Sure, it's it's but misunderstood. It's you know, Billy Billy says it. You know, they just weren't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's great. I've I've I bought the soundtrack after seeing the movie. Um, I've listened to that one and also face the music probably more than anything else on the soundtrack, but it, it's, <laughs> I, it's good. It's good. It's fun. Weird. Loved it. And, oh, can we talk about how Landon jr? Yeah. That scene in hell where he <laughs> apologizes to Ted. <laughs> it's, it's just heartwarming. And then Bill says something and how Landon jr. Turns on a dime. is like, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Great callback to the first film. Yes. So yes. It was great. Oh, I loved it. Um, so good. And then, of course, we have the reunion with Death. And okay, first of all, I just want to talk about the first appearance of Death when Hal is killed and he's yeah. he's going to hell and Death's like falling down with him and points at him. That right. that's just that was so good. And of course, you have Bill and Ted. They show up. Uh, Obviously, there's some bad blood. There's a lawsuit, apparently, uh, in the past. And the fact that that's the strongest scene, I think, with the daughters, where they say, yeah. hey, dads, we've got this. You know, you should wait outside. And they're the ones that get death back into Wild Stallions. I, I thought that was great. It was it was, it was wonderful. Um, there, that scene and – I mean, I, I love the scene. But I think that scene and the marriage counselor scene, for me – felt the most like a, uh, a comedy skit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but I could see like those scenes being workshopped by some writers and saying, wouldn't it be funny if like this situation happened? <laughs> um, and it, it so good. And, and William Sadler was great as yeah. always. Oh man. Just, and talking about the, the counselor scene, uh, when they first time travel and come back and, <laughs> It, that that dialogue right there and like yes. like Ted saying 
you know, I, that I'm going to drink too much. And she, and his wife's like, oh, but you don't drink. And he's like, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. It, like, so the, the callback, when they go back, that, for me, makes that first scene with the marriage counselor work so much better. Yeah. Because the wheels fall off the wagon. And she realizes <laughs> how insane the entire situation is. Like, oh, the, the princess is like, oh, yes, we are princesses. We were born in 1410. 14.9. You know, it just, Do you mean the year? It, <laughs> <laughs> it's as if Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon knew what they were doing when they wrote this yeah. film. Yeah. You know? And, okay, let's talk about Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon and their cameo as they are in all three movies. Yep. It was yep. fantastic as the demons. Yeah, so good. So <laughs> good. Man, uh, <laughs> What would they say? That's that's weird. Uh, robot in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I love that playoff. Now I I did uh, I, I saw Anthony Kerrigan tweeting, and he did say, uh, and I think Ed Solomon uh, spoke to this as well that he definitely ad libbed some of his lines. Okay, um, great. So I think he really really helped build and sell that sort of nervousness, almost like, oh yeah. So someone had tweeted. Uh, at Ed Solomon that they were like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the spectrum. Uh, your robot character I can really relate with and his nervous breakdown. I can really relate with, which I, that was kind of blown away. Yeah, that was, I, I did read that. That was very, very cool. Uh, man, just thinking about his, his portrayal of the robot and like his last few scenes. Mm-hmm. Just great. Just great. Did you notice that Kelly's phone worked in hell? Yeah. Right. Because that's where you got the joke on the robot being named after her ex. Right. It just It's, <laughs> it's weird that they, she has a phone that works in hell, but, you know. But the, the, it's weird that a robot goes to hell, so. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> Again, this is Bill and Ted. We don't need to, like. So, if I mean, you know, if you want to really nitpick here, we can talk about Kid Cudi's uh, quantum physics theories. <laughs> <laughs> they might not hold up, but I think it's fine. Oh, yeah, I think I think it's hilarious. Did you, did you see the... Um, theory and i don't buy into this but i thought it was a neat theory um that uh kid cuddy is actually station Ooh, i like this yeah i like this he's obviously super smart and hyper on top of everything that's going on throughout the entire movie and then at the end he's like station <laughs> uh, either way i'm I, i'm so glad we got a nod to station um, yeah yeah i was i was a little bit worried i was a little bit nervous about it but i'm glad they they threw that in i know a lot of people um not fans of Station, and I get it, but it's for me. Station's part of that weird quirkiness of the second one that just makes Bogus Journey sing. You know, it's just like yeah. so off the wall and so great. Now, as far as the uh, sort of the grand finale when they end up on, I lo- okay. First of all, I love that the fact they they saved the universe on two ten in L A. <laughs> that mile <laughs> marker because yeah. my friend, we have been on that interstate and it is hell in L A. So you have that whole finale. I thought it was done relatively well. Now, the thing that kind of got by me in the first viewing was the fact that, okay, the time machine has an infinity button, and now we're going to be infinity and giving these instruments everywhere. I didn't really pick that up, and yep. so I was kind of scratching my head as to how they were doing this, uh-huh. but but I d- really did love the line that Ted delivers to Missy and Deacon, uh, <laughs> you know, or he's just like... <laughs> I'm an infinity being now or whatever he says. Yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to talk about the song, the last song face the music because sure. This, this was the thing that I was probably most worried about 
Um, it's what I think of as the Finding Forrester problem. Yes, okay. I was just going to bring up Finding Forrester, but you're on it. <laughs> yeah. So in movies where somebody creates some sort of grand, amazing thing, and then um, with Finding Forrester, uh, Sean Connery's reading this essay that the Forrester, not whatever the kid's name was in yeah. that movie, like this brilliant essay, and instead of actually hearing what he wrote, there's soaring music and you see everybody tearing up in the hall because they're hearing these great words. And you're like, okay, that's a total cop out. Right. So Bogus Journey did a pretty good job with this because um, God gave rock and roll to you. That presentation there and the way that they showed it, it, it was just joyous, right? And so yep. they got that to work. And you weren't ever sure if that was actually the real song that they were playing or some sort of facsimile. <laughs> so I was worried with Face the Music that the song that they would do would be like either underwhelming or they would do a Finding Forrester moment. And I think they found the, a brilliant way to get around it where they played a good song, right? But they figured out that it was everybody playing along with it. You know, they even they even put a hat on it in the, in the movie. Like uh, Thea, no, yeah. Billy says, you know, in the end, it didn't even really, it wasn't about the song. It was about everybody playing and mm -hmm. it, Loved it. I, I yeah. They handled that really, really well. That was a great final cap. Uh, I will say, you know, I, I thought our producer made a, a great point that the song that saves the world will not have gang vocals, but <laughs> it's fine. It was like almost like a little bit of an arcade fire vibe, you know, which uh, hat tip to Win Butler as <laughs> one of the leaders. So, right. Right. hey, you know what, man? I will. I, I'll admit it. I, I'm I'm a classless dude who kind of enjoys those vocals. So sure, whatever. Sure, but, sure. Uh, you know, it's I, it, it, I, it it was exactly what I thought it would be. It was cheesy but heartwarming. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh man, like you know, the the whole point was the whole band had to play, which means yeah. that Bill and Ted were still integral. And it was when they came in with their guitars at the end that everything kind of broke wide open and the universe was saved. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now I will. I will uh, uh, nitpick a little here uh, when when you know this whole claim is made that Billy and Thea write the song that saved the universe. You know the industry we work in. I would have to technically say that they arranged that. Yes, sir. Um, they are arrangers. <laughs> <laughs> they conducted and arranged the band, and it was great. They did but... <laughs> a fantastic job. <laughs> we all know that the baseline was written by Death. And yes, I'm just throwing absolutely. that out there. He's got to get a credit. He's got to get yeah. a credit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure Billy and Thea will definitely give yeah. Death credit there. <laughs> when they were talking with Death, all the, the fun little names of Death songs. Yes. Oh, so good. That was some good place level punnery and just like riffing on <laughs> the idea of, of uh, funk albums by the Grim Reaper. I, so fun. <laughs> so fun. Too pale to cry. Too pale to cry. That that hit home the most. Yeah, I'm. I feel that way too. What, what was the What was the uh, funky one with Doctor D? or getting funky. Oh, with oh gosh, I can't remember. Oh, that was so good though. <laughs> I just I want Victor Wooten to come out with an album and use all those titles. <laughs> we can make him be the guy playing the bass lines for death. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Man, there, there's so much to unpack. Um, there's there, we got a lot of great episodes coming up uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I do want to talk shortly about our, our most triumphant uh, drive-in experience, right? Yeah, there's a drive-in. 
30, 40 minutes outside of Nashville. We had planned this for the Friday night premiere, but then some really bad weather set in thanks to Hurricane Laura. And Nashville's on a little bit of PTSD from tornadoes. So as soon as there were tornado warnings out there, we had to cancel, uh, rescheduled it for last night. Man, it was a blast. We Now, we had some rain and bad weather before the movie started, but then everything cleared up just in time, and it was perfect. Oh, man, it was so great. And it, w- it was great seeing everybody out there. Um, I I was pretty pleased. I showed up as deaf, and I got to take pictures with a few people, so that was cool. Um, my daughter loved it. She loved it. She had never been to the drive-in before. And our whole group, everybody out there for Sam Demas today was wearing masks and yeah. practicing social distancing. It was just most triumphant. Um, it was great to actually go to an event and see people that I care about, celebrate something that I love and do it safely. And I just want to thank everyone that came out for doing it the right way. That was, I mean, that was awesome. Awesome guys. It it was unbelievable. And like you said, I mean, I think everyone out there, we were all just standing around each other being like, holy crap, this is the first time we've been able to see more than like five people in the same place. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Loved it. Um, Many thanks to Andy Vastag, our good buddy, uh, for Boss Construction, he did a fantastic screen print of uh, of for this event. It it looks amazing. I can't wait to frame it. We've got a few extra copies left, so you can hit us up on social media. Uh, Andy may sell some online on his online store. Uh, and that's Boss Construction, right? Boss Construction. Mm-hmm. Man, that that just that just capped that just put the sweet cherry on top of the whole thing. You know. It- it really did, man. It was so, so, so good. I got to say it, Kelly. I'm just so happy right now. Like th- this has been, th- this past week has been feasting after years of famine, right? With all the new Bill and Ted content, there've been great interviews with um, Ed Solomon. Like that Hollywood Reporter one was really insightful. I'd like to talk about that on one of our future episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's been so much great stuff. And the fact that there's been so much new Bill and Ted to discuss. I mean, for you and I, obviously that's huge, right? I mean, we've been doing this thing for over two years now and to Thursday night, actually get and see the new movie. And after having watched it six times now, um, we're recording this on Sunday. I, I, I love the movie. I, I, when I listen to the soundtrack, like the, the end credits, like where, where they're playing that cold war kids song and they've show all the videos of the fans. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, just makes me smile. It just it's <laughs> it's that perfect dose of, uh, of silliness and optimism that we all needed. And sure. I don't know. I, I assume most people that listen to this podcast have a passing familiarity with Bill and Ted and might be interested in this movie. So if you're on the fence about seeing <laughs> Face the Music, I'd suggest it. <laughs> Give it a whirl, man. I don't know. It, you know, if you're if you're 30 episodes into this Bill and Ted podcast and you haven't seen the movies yet. Maybe check him out. <laughs> um, one thing we didn't talk about that I wanted to bring up uh, was, okay, this movie, obviously not shot in San Dimas like the other movies. It was shot. Sure. This time it was shot in New Orleans. And the way they were able to incorporate some real New Orleans into the movie was great. They used Louis Armstrong. But not only was it Louis Armstrong, it was Louis Armstrong in the Preservation Jazz Hall. And yeah. they shot there, and those are the Preservation Jazz Hall band members yeah. with him. And so cool. S- just such great respect paid to that city. Uh, I, I also saw that Euclid Records, which is my favorite record store down there, uh, they supplied most of what you see 
uh, in the garage where the daughters are rocking out. Um, so I thought that was very cool too. So just giving love to where really American music started in our country just seems fitting for Bill and Ted. Yeah. Oh, and okay. I'm going to say this. Um, this is something else I want to talk about. Oh my God, this is going to go, this is going to be five episodes, man. Um, <laughs> so I, people were complaining that this movie was going to be too woke, right? Which is just BS. Yeah. But I love the makeup of the band this time, right? Yeah. It, it was Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix. Um, you had Mozart, so you had a white dude in there, but then, you know, you also had the, the flautist and, and the drummer, right? So out of the supporting musicians, only one of them is a white dude. And that is fantastic. <laughs> right. I mean, right. N- not, not because like, Oh, you know, let's have w- less white folk, but it was way more representative of actual musical culture. Exactly. And then, uh, to add to that, uh, the beautiful continuity of little bill, little Ted, right? Yes. Yep. Um, yep. Little bill and little Ted were always, always daughters. And, I think that's great. And I think that any sort of hate given from anybody here, it's just not justified. And um, I just hope that anyone who doubted this whole thing that has now seen the movie, uh, hopefully they've changed their point of view on that. So, All right, man. Um, There's so much more to discuss about this movie, and I'm so excited to do it. This, I'm I'm excited for season three of the show in a way that – um, I didn't think possible. Not that I wasn't excited before, but at this point, yeah. I just there's so much to dive into, and we, I, I can't wait. We've got a lot of season left. We've got more interviews. We're going to talk about the music. We didn't even get to that today, so uh, stay with us, listeners. This isn't over yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks to Michael Eads and We Own This Town for uh, producing this most excellent podcast. Yeah, and it was great to see you last night, Michael. It was wonderful. And and Becky, who uh, provides our, our tag at the beginning. It was wonderful seeing Becky as well. Yeah, yeah. A quick shout out. Uh, Becky has her own podcast starting this next week, Memento mm-hmm. Story. So uh, you can find that on weownthistown.net, right? It's a .net. Look for <laughs> We Own This Town. <laughs> and then, of course, always a shout out to Scott Bricklin, Scooby Tunes Music, Walk Away. It's just the greatest song. It's just the best guitar lines uh it warms the cockles it does it does makes me think of that uh history presentation every time i hear it that just (laughs) makes me smile so and i'll tell you what it also makes me think of makes me think about being excellent to each other and partying on dudes I'm just going to say that's the greatest episode of San Dimas today we've ever recorded. <laughs> it, 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 it's don't even edit it, dude. There's going to be there's going to be less than ten edits here. I know it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> this this shit's already in the can. Yep, already in the can. <laughs> I just emailed uh, it to Michael. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs>